This week on the No More Late Fees podcast, Jackie and I are joined by actor, rapper, writer, director, composer, and producer GQ. You probably remember GQ from his roles in the movies Drumline, On the Line, and What's the Worst That Can Happen, as well as TV shows like Chicago PD, Numbers, and Johnny Zero. So, you know, that era was, is like a time capsule from that only those of us who knew that time will truly understand and remember. I mean, going to Blockbuster Video was a, was an adventure. It was fun. It was like, I was excited about the days, the nights where I knew I could walk there. I was walking my two miniature pinchers, Biggie and Lil' Kim, when I lived in Los Angeles. I I lived in, at at the time that that y'all were talking about being there is is when I was living between New York and LA. And I had a blockbuster in each place that was, you know, four blocks from my apartment in either city. And so I'd be walking my dogs and we'd go there and like, there was something so, it was like being a kid in a candy store. Like, what am I going to pick out? Like, I hope I get something good. And like, like exactly seeing, seeing the signs with like, like Danielle recommends blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, Jackie's choice this week. And it was a community of like fun, nerdy, like movie geeks and like, and just kids from the hood who just worked there. And like, it was just like, it was a cool mix of people who worked there. And also like the cult movie culture at that time, because it wasn't all digital was like, you know, it was like going to a library, but like way more fun for me. And, and where I was at that point in my career, like, I, I just remembered last night thinking about the fact that I was going to be on with you two. I was like, huh, let me put myself back in the days of Blockbuster. And I was like, I remember one time when I was in living in Venice Beach and I walked to the Blockbuster at Ocean Park in Lincoln and I saw five movies on the shelves that I was in. Like, <laughs> I, so I, cool. I was like, well, what the heck? I, I just remember that because it wasn't... <laughs> I, I, it wasn't something I held on to. I just remember that experience being like, whoa, like that's a trip. Like I just recognized it. And, and, and I also got a kick out of the fact that at that time I wasn't super recognizable on the street, but at Blockbuster, like yep. I was <laughs> recognizable. So it was always fun to see the, the, the look on, on the employees faces when I walked up to the counter with like, you know, some random like movie that I was studying so that I could audition better for something else. Like it was, it was really a cool time, you know? That's awesome. That is so cool. (laughs) I would have probably been way less humble than you. I would have been just like posing (laughs) next to the movies I was in. Oh yeah. Like I walk up with my own, I grab all five movies that I'm in and walk up there. Yeah, let me just get those out. No, I hope I never rented my own movie for a (laughs) while. <laughs> it's funny because you've actually lived on both coasts because I'm from New York and Jackie's from California, but we didn't meet until we moved to Florida as children. So, oh, wow. Both yeah. of those places hold special places in our hearts. But yeah. I know you're from Chicago. So, yeah, yeah, born and raised in Chicago. <laughs> but are you there now or are you still in LA? I'm between Chicago and LA, but I'm, I've been mostly in Chicago for the past couple of years. So, yeah. Uh, I went to Chicago for the first time 2018 I think and so I'm a New Yorker so I was like okay let's see what everyone's talking about Chicago this I went and tried the pizza 
I was a horrible person and was like, this is casserole. This is not New York pizza. <laughs> My friends were like, you're such a hater. I was like, I, I have to say something. I can't like this place, but yeah. it's so clean. It's yeah. so clean in the heart of like where the tourists go. I understand there's like so much more out there. It's like, this is just a, like a rent-a-cop version of New York. I was hating the whole time, but I did have a lot of fun. The food was delicious. It was genuinely very nice experience. I think I'll definitely go back for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, that's a pretty common reaction from my New York friends too. It's like, who if they stay long enough for me and my brothers and stuff to take them out to real places, like outside of where, like the... Chicago pizza in and in, in of itself. When you say that, I'm like, yeah, totally. Like that's not pizza. It's a, it's like a, a block of cheese shaped Thank like you. a pie. Like, <laughs> that, but that, if you're from Chicago, like that's not Chicago pizza. Like the best pizza in Chicago is actually thin crust and it's cornmeal dusted and it has a braided crust around the edges. And it's like super old school. And it, there's only a few places in Chicago where I even know to get it. And the best version of it is at a corner bar in on a side street in a neighborhood tucked away that no one would ever go near. So like the next time you come through, let me take you for some real Chicago. Yeah, you're going to have to. I was about to say, GQ, why didn't you tell me before I went and had that casserole? <laughs> yeah. I was very upset. And it's, and it's actually, it's cut in squares, little rectangles and squares. That's like the thin crust that's cut in rectangles is like, is that's when you know you're really in Chicago. <laughs> that's awesome. We just dove right in and I'm not mad at it. So we're going to keep going. I think for me, what was the most exciting was the fact that when Drumline came, it was my freshman year at Florida A&M, which is an HBCU. Wow. So, and you know, like a good portion of the players were from my college at that time. I and know. so it was just like, an experience. We all went to the movie theater. We knew people in the movie. So that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That movie was incredible. And the culture was incredible. And the fact that I got to live in Atlanta for three months and have the leaders of that culture take me under um, their wing and show me not only how to drum and, and march, but like to like show me their lives and their homes and their and their entire culture like it was beyond anything imaginable and it changed my life and I'm still close with some of those people today and if I ever go traveling through certain areas on the east coast like I know I have family there it was amazing and I really did learn how to use the bass drum and I had my hands were bloody and I only had, I got there two weeks before we shot. So I, I had a lot of work to do in a very short period of time because I didn't have a double, you know, because I wasn't the featured drummer in any way. So they were like, e we're going to just let you do your thing. And, and, and that turned out to be like how I developed such a relationship with a lot of these young men and women at the time who I became close with. That's so cool. So you never played the drum prior to the movie? No, my little brother did growing up. I mean, he's a drummer. And so he gave me like a little bit, you know, some tips and stuff, but I'm musical. So like I had like, I, and this is often like when people are like, you're the guy on drum line who had no rhythm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, called <laughs> that's called acting, motherfucker. Like, like, 
I had rhythm. I had to go through tests to get the role. Like they, they brought in a drumming coach to like watch me do stuff in the room and be like, oh yeah, he's got it. Like that kind of shit had to happen. Then they had to like, and they didn't tell me when they were shooting, like that they were going to, uh, like in that scene where he's like, you river dancing with your drum and like, and they show me from the back, like doing the dance move. If you mute it, like I'm completely on rhythm, but they moved the beat over. So it looked like I wasn't, they never told me they were going to do that. (laughs) But see, like logically you have to assume that you had rhythm because you couldn't pretend, you can't pretend those things when you finally, you know, your character finally got it. You can't pretend to have rhythm. I've seen it been like a ton of people try it. It cannot be you can't pretend right, that. Yeah. Right. And and that character would have never made it on the drum line exactly. to Yeah. Like so so that was a little flaw in the movie in in, in a way because they they never talk about it. The flaw that I'm now realizing is it's never talked about in the movie like, oh, you don't have rhythm. It was about a style thing. Like when he says, you got to love your drum, like all those lines have nothing to do with rhythm. No. But what what I'm now like thinking Charles to the director, Charles Stone, I'm like, Charles Stone the third. Just, <laughs> like, 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 why did you make the choice to like slide the music off so that I looked like, like, so it looked like that was the issue. Cause that, right. that, that kind of cheapens the interaction and like the whole issue about what that was, which is like, basically this kid loves black culture. He grew up down the block. Like he feels like he's being discriminated against. And the fact is he's not, he actually just has to learn like to stop thinking about it and to feel more, which is a common thing about like black versus white culture if you're going to be unpolitically correct about it and just say we're never politically correct never it's like like the same thing in white men can't jump where he's just like but do you hear you know no like you listen to jimmy but do you hear jimmy like like they're all saying the same thing like all right yeah okay maybe you have rhythm but are you letting it just go through you instead of like trying to be on top of it right right was that your first time experiencing an hbcu and if for our listeners if you i think we've talked about this a few times Mm -hmm. but it's a historically black college or university was that the your first experience with an hbcu yeah yeah like growing up i had heard about spellman and morehouse Mm -hmm. and but that's as far as my knowledge or even awareness went so yeah, that was <laughs> th- like my first experience for real was a complete immersion, which is yeah. what I was referring to in the earlier part of our conversation. When I talked about mm-hmm. the gift of it all. Well, I think if you haven't experienced a homecoming yet, then that's definitely, that needs to be added to your list. If I ever go, I probably will after all of this, I will tell you because homecoming is a whole nother experience. It's like one of the wow. best things ever. You have all these people from... I mean, people who went 50, 60 years ago coming back, you have newbies, you have people who just graduated, they all come back home and, you know, the band plays amazing, you know, and they feature different time periods. You see some of the old heads come back, put on their drums and they are moving like they did 20 years ago. It is an amazing experience. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I'm going to call some of my homies in Atlanta and be like, yo, tell me when homecoming. (laughs) 
exactly it is an experience I have yet to bring Jackie I need to I think she would absolutely love it it is such an amazing experience I will not have rhythm (laughs) I'll try real hard but that is not my strong suit I still love you I I I still will dance like no one's watching with you no worries (laughs) nice nice everyone is welcome yes So when did you get the acting bug? Because I know you went to NYU and you went to Tisch. I mean, that is, am I correct, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That is such a difficult program to get into. And how did all this come about for you with acting? You know, I didn't start until later in life. And I was always a sports head. Like I wanted to be, especially basketball. Basketball was my thing. Growing up, I played basketball every day of my life and I even through the winter time and and I would be chipping ice off of the driveway at my house in Chicago to be able to play on our little rinky dink hoop in the um, driveway but but as as everyone grew and I only grew so much that didn't really become an option in later in life for sports so uh, I ended up playing lacrosse in high school And it wasn't until my senior year in high school, I went to an all-male Jesuit Catholic college preparatory high school outside of Chicago. And it it was an incredible school for a lot of reasons. it had its limitations as well, but but one of one of the limitations for me was that it was an all male school and I was trying to meet girls my senior year. So um I I got five of my guy friends who had never acted before. None of us had. And I was like, guys, and I quit the lacrosse team. I was supposed to be a captain and I just didn't play my senior year. I wanted to have, I wanted to have fun. And I was like inspired. And I was like, you guys, you're coming, you're coming with me. We're all going to go audition for the the musical down the block at the all girls school at Marillac high school. And they were like, (laughs) what? And I was like, yeah, dude, it's senior year. Like we don't play football. We need to meet girls. And they were like, all right, let's go. And so, and all, all of us got in and I got the part of the scarecrow in the whiz. And, and that was Michael Jackson's role. And I was, I had so much fun and 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 I won best actor in a musical that year. And, and it was, I'd never acted before. And so I went, but I went on, that was already my senior year. So I was already going to Bates College in Lewiston, Maine to study anthropology and Spanish. And I couldn't keep up with anthropology, the reading load. And so I had to switch my major. And at the same time, I saw a sign up for a, a spring main stage show. And I was like, you know, why don't I, why don't I try this again? What the heck? Can I audition? And I got a lead role in that show. And then I was like, I'm going to switch my major to acting. And, and I did that. And within one year, I took pretty much every acting class I wanted to at Bates and realized I don't have much more to do here. If I'm going to continue this seriously, I got I to think about a, a, a conserv- an acting conservatory and conservatory training. And I had a girlfriend at the time who lived in Jersey and I went to visit her um, family during our our like October break. And I saw that auditions were being held at Tisch School of the Arts at NYU. And, and I went, this is, you know, before everything digital. So like, I don't even remember how I figured out how to get to the school and how to audition, but I did. And I, I, I transferred into the experimental theater wing for my final two years of college. And I was able to transfer all my credits. And like, so it was only my last two years of college that I ended up 
in a program like that. And yes, it was intense, but it was the best two years of school I had in my life. Like I was not, I was a fan of the culture and the community that I found through school, but I was never a fan of school. I, I, I learned differently. I read differently. And the system at the time did not support the way that I learn nowadays it does. And I found out that you're protected and that you can take things untimed and get extra time on stuff. But, you know, I didn't have terminal the terminology for my diagnosis growing up of like how my brain functioned and so what I realized only recently was that acting became <clears throat> acting became an escape route for me from a system in which I felt entrapped and that like I never set out to be an actor I never was like growing up like I want to I want to do that I want to be like on camera I want to be in front of people like I'm being in front of people. It's not something I really am afraid of, but it's not like, it's never been my comfort zone. Like I, I don't like being self-conscious and like, mm -hmm. like basically acting for me became an exercise in mastering my self-consciousness and being able to like manipulate it to the point of like awareness where I could seem natural while the camera was on. And like, I became really good at that, but I think it caused me a lot of anxiety and stress. And I'm, I've found that very much recovered from a lot of that trauma, but I, it did traumatize me in a lot of ways. <laughs> so like I haven't done anything on camera and only a few things on stage, like in the last like five years. And I think part of that is, is I'm realizing in my age and my experience that like, oh, I'm not sure that was something I wanted to do. It's what I thought I should do because I was good at it and I was getting opportunities that every, a lot of people would die for. And I was like, oh, I have to take it. And like right. people around me were like, this is amazing. You're, you're a star. You're meant to do this. And like, and I, be, because of that, didn't want to let anybody down. And through different forms of not so traditional therapy, I've found that was, that that was like a huge part of why I did it. It wasn't really for myself. It was it was because I didn't want to let anybody down. Yeah. Right. I think because of the Panini, we're all collectively having breakthroughs in what we want to do, what our heart's desire is versus what we either have been conditioned to feel like we need to do. And I think it's been a wonderful experience and for me personally, but just to watch other people be able to embrace saying no. And mm -hmm. really going after things that bring them joy. If we learned anything, we only have this life right now. And why spend it so miserable when we don't really have to? It's very freeing. So I give you props for, yeah, you know, not only acknowledging it, but going down the path with it. Because sometimes we know it, but we are still scared and we're in fear. So that's wonderful. Well, yeah. well said. That's really on point. I appreciate that. Do you feel the same way about music? Music is, I kind of feel the same way about rap, but music is what I'm, what I realize is my deepest love outside of my love for our source and for family. Like music is what keeps me connected more connected to the source of peace that I find in this life. And one in a similar way, the reason I say rap, like, is like, as in the same way that I was like, okay, you're an actor, you got to do this. Like, I was also like, experienced that with like, okay, you're a rapper, you got to do this. And that was more of my own choice. But 
it was also because it felt like it was the only option in music for me. And, and it was the first music that I ever listened to and got down with. And from the time that I was like five years old and it was, and hip hop culture is definitely the music culture that I was born into and, and the first music that me and my brothers embraced. And, and so it's, it definitely like shaped a lot of who I am and it still does, but I don't feel the need to do it anymore outside of this one group. Like, so my brother and I created a company and this is all simultaneous. This is all like from the time I went to Tish and beyond while I was making movies and TV and all that, like I was also the founder and creative director of a theater company called Q Brothers. And me and my brother, JQ, put it together and, and it involved other friends, cohorts, homies, brothers of ours, family of ours. And what we do is we started out taking Shakespeare and, and reinterpreting it through a hip hop lens and rewriting and more than adapting, we call it ad rapting. Like, and so we started doing that and turning Shakespeare into hip hop musicals that we toured the whole world with. And so, yeah, it was really cool. And we started off Broadway back in like 99, 2000, and we still are doing it and on different levels to this day. So, so that, that is always there, but that's bled into like creating hip hop musicals in honor, like 12 minute musical in honor of a CEO of a major corporation that, I mean, like insular industrial type things, or like, mm -hmm. like teaching sales reps how to sell their new product through big pharma, but in the form of a rap that like, hopefully no one will ever see. Um, <laughs> uh, like, and, and so like, we we're doing stuff like that, but then we're also like, we, Q Brothers, as Q Brothers, we created a, a hip hop, a family friend album of hip hop music called Buggin' that you, that anyone out there can see on any streaming platform. We, you know, we created something called the Feel Good Album of the Year that we wanted to make real hip hop that, that didn't, that you could play with the whole family around at a barbecue and the language would allow for that. So we're like, when we did that almost 20 years ago, then like someone at Lollapalooza heard it. And then they were like, Hey, we have a family friendly stage. Like would you guys do some of that here? And, you know, and then it ended up like we did that stage. We've been playing Lollapalooza for over 15 years and Austin City Limits. And, and, and so it just kind of like, it's spread out in all these different forms. And so I still will, I still am so attached to like, like I said, I was born into hip hop culture. That's never going to leave me. But as far as like a more conscious involvement in music or actually what is just I should say has called me to dive into it as electronic music and and I've had some experiences overseas with with some friends in Europe who took me to some raves and then I like explored rave culture in Los Angeles and in Chicago and and I feel deeply connected to it and I also feel like and I started producing electronic music like probably like eight, eight years ago or so and have gotten more committed to it in the past five years. And in the past three years, my brother Jay and I have started producing some stuff together. And we find that it's like nothing brings us more joy than that kind of creation right now. And it's like, I keep coming back to this number of like, when I was 12, like when I was 12, like I, I put a, I've recently put a basketball court in my yard and I, I mm -hmm. played 
I've been playing, like just running drills on my own, which is what I did when I was like 12. And like, I'm <clears throat> the way I feel about when I create electronic music, which is like, I'll do it for like 12 to 14 hour chunks at a time where I don't even realize that it's dark out now and like what I've been doing and for how long. And the only time I've ever felt like that I can remember feeling like that was when I played basketball, like all day and night when I was young, when I had like days off and, and that kind of the meditative state that it put me in the transcendental like place that it brings me to is, you know, something that I'm just like, I'm committed to, but I also feel like I don't have a choice about mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. That's where I am with music. Well, we a hundred percent understand. I, I mean, yes. if you probably said this to us maybe two years ago, we probably would have been like, that's cool, <laughs> but we wouldn't have been able to like connect and feel that way. But doing the podcast or just being able to have some, a creative outlet to mm -hmm. connect with each other, you know, you could be friends for this long, but doesn't necessarily mean that I think we wanted to move past it just being like we have a bunch of memories but being able to kind of grow the relationship as we get older which can be work sometimes you know like you have to have dedication to that but being able to do the podcast has brought new passions for us I mean I'm speaking for myself I can't speak for Jack <laughs> but um I don't know Jack you think the same absolutely yeah I was a teacher during the pandemic and so we started this April of last year and it was something that like, I finally could look forward to because being a teacher was so heavy. I was a special needs teacher, didn't have great support. And then finally decided to transition out of teaching because that, that home life balance just wasn't there. It was all work all the time. And so I think the podcast even was helped me cope with the fact that like, I was very passionate about teaching, but I was recognizing that for my mental health, it wasn't the best profession to be in mm -hmm. and being able to leave, leave my students and kind of transition into a completely new field. Um, and I turned 40 this year, there were a lot of things <laughs> going on. So awesome. the podcast was something it was like, I always say, I don't have to do the podcast. I get to do the podcast. Yay. That's really yeah. beautiful. Everything about that is beautiful. Yeah. And thank you for being a teacher for the time that you were like those. Absolutely. You were all my heroes. I've other <laughs> friends teach, I'm serious. If there's anybody who I was really like, just astounded by and humbled by it was teachers during that time. I can't tell you enough of, of, of how much that means to all oh, of thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. We would be completely remiss if we didn't talk about on the line because as much as I was really excited because of Drumline, Jackie, it was dark times for me because <laughs> when we were in high school, you see how like this these fake posters. Jackie had Lance Bass posters all over her walls. I did. <laughs> It was my oh. favorite. And so we did on the line as an episode for Lance's birthday week. Super cool. Yeah. I, I, I love Lance. I love all those guys. And, and, you know, with Lance and Joey in particular, because it was their movie, we developed a, a real bond and a real special relationship. And, and to those, to, to this day, the, those guys are solid to me. And that's um, awesome. Yeah. have always been, yeah, I love them. Very much. When Joey was on The Masked Singer, 
he sang two notes of a ballad and I was like that's Joey Fatone and it wow. was because of his ballad in on the line that I had like burned on CDs yes. I'm like yeah I know exactly what he yeah. sounds like when I he know that frequency ballad. I know that timbre I know that scratch <laughs> it's like uh I, I know that voice of like wait you can't sing but you can yeah <laughs> Joey has like I don't think Joey and Chris get enough like props for how well they sing Mm -hmm. and in sync you know I'm not gonna say I wasn't on the Justin bandwagon at one point in time I was more of a JC fan personally because I grew up watching them on the Mickey Mouse Club so I was very excited but yeah they all have very beautiful voices I love what they're doing now they're not letting Justin hold them back in the sense that they are forming with all the other boy bands it's just the whole 90s, 2000s nostalgia that's happening right now, it's quite fun for us. I mean, uh, I know. I know. <laughs> and it me. feels very authentic. Like they are truly friends and they are friends with like Nick Carter and things. And the things that they are doing just feel fun because of the energy they put into. Oh, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's that that's how everything on that movie. Those guys, like everything we did had a sense of fun. Like it, it wasn't just like like the movie itself, yeah, that was super fun. But like every time that we were, every time that that we were going to stop shooting, like whatever little breaks we had, whether it was like one night or a couple days or whatever, like like Lance had his team on on everything. Like I would be in my trailer thinking like, all right, well, we got like two more hours to go. And what am I going to do tonight? And be like, boom. I'm like, you know, <laughs> like hey, what's up? They're like, so Lance has dinner plan at this place. Then we're going to go to this arcade. And then we're going to like, like take this like class in whatever while music plays in like we're coloring and coloring books, and like doing like weird, like little <laughs> stuff little kids would do. And, I, and they're like, are you down? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a planner like you, Jackie. He is. Oh, he's <laughs> super planner. Like There will loves, be fun. Yeah. Yeah, he he loves like events and like and hosting like and everything was like and he would like to invite you he would like to host you he would like to do that he's like a just like a a a to do person you know it's really fucking cool and and Joey was like me and Joey were like the (laughs) kind of like the bad kids in the group like we we'd go to the stuff and then we'd be like hey you want to duck out and go check out what's going on in that thing and we'll come back here and like like, (laughs) like. like Lance would be like, oh, I see you boys. Go have fun. <laughs> How, so, I mean, that was one of your first movies and I believe it was one of Lance's. I mean, that was the first he was officially yes. starring in. So do you think there was like camaraderie in the fact that this was kind of new to all of you guys from a movie perspective or? Yeah. I, I mean, you're all performers. I, it's yeah, just... we're all performers. I, I don't think we thought about that so much. There was a lot of there was a lot of pressure on Lance. Like there was a lot of heat, like on like you've never held the the screen before. You never <laughs> held a, a plot down before. Like 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 I felt bad at at times because like, or or maybe in hindsight I feel like oh like poor guy they put so much on his shoulders and but like he handled it like a champ and he he was like he's so humble. Like the first thing he'd say like. I don't know anything about acting. Like, like he's like, I, I don't know if that was good. And then he'd like walk off. And we were like, you know, it, that one wasn't that good, but like that one was pretty good. Like, yeah. like he, no, I don't, like we never, 
we never, we didn't have much of a critical lens on any of it for ourselves. Like, because I think because of our age, because of like the, the chemistry was such that like, you know, <clears throat> nobody, it was mostly about like a, who could make each other laugh more. Yeah. And yeah, it was all love. It was all cool. Um, you know, I think like, I had just come from like having like conservatory training and like doing like, like there was like a, a seriousness for me that like I automatically bring to the craft mm -hmm. that, that I didn't find in a whole lot around me while shooting that movie, which was really freeing for me. And oh, like, because I had shot, I think it was like, I came from like, what's the worst that could happen? Right. That was like the first movie. And that was, that had a lot of heavy hitters on it. Like mm -hmm. yeah. Bernie Mac and John Leguizamo and like, you know, Danny DeVito and Bill Fickner and like Lenny Clark and all these famous people with like decades of experience and comedians. And so, and obviously Lawrence. <laughs> so, and so like, there was a lot of weight to like yeah. in a lot of different ways, like whether it was weather problems, like in Boston that we had while we were shooting that movie to like, to, you know, egos and experience that were brought to the table between a lot of heavy hitters. But like, that's what, that was my experience as far as film went. So like, <laughs> I went to the opposite. <laughs> and I think, I think Drumline was after that, right? I don't know if on the yeah, line. Or, no, I, I think Trump. I well, let me check. Let me tell you what you were in. Because I don't feel like when I went to on the line, I don't feel like oh, this is real new to me. Like yeah. I, maybe because I was young, and I was like, I made a movie. Like this. Is <laughs> Drumline was after. I don't know if the maybe you maybe you could have shooting shooting yes. you should have yes. shot it first no we didn't shoot it first it, okay so on the line was the first one I think after yeah so but it was like you know it, it was night and day those two film mm -hmm. sets and so I really felt loose I felt free I got to like imp like 90 percent of what I said in in on on the line as a matter of fact the writers got kind of ticked off two young guys who were the writers were like trying to send a message at one point because they, like, <laughs> I remember them saying like yeah well you're not De Niro like <laughs> I was like damn and, like, and I was like what's their problem and they're like I think they just want you to at least do one take with the lyric with the with the, the lines they wrote and I was like okay all right let me do one your way, let me, oh, let me my way. I was like, did we see, did we hear with the one everyone laughed about? Yeah, that wasn't the one you wrote. That was the one I just made you up. Did have I so, made that shit up. <laughs> you had so much energy in that role. I mean, obviously when we went to see it, because we were obsessed with sync, but like you had, you were very memorable mm -hmm. in that role. You had a lot of energy and you were a scene stealer for sure in that movie. Um, so yeah. they should have just left you be. Well, they, they <laughs> They pretty much did. And one of the things, so after, <clears throat> the coolest things about that is that for three months, like I got to roll with them everywhere. Like I, yeah. they were like, gee, you're coming with us. And I was like, but we're not, that, that's not during the schedule of shooting. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, you're with us. And I was like, Aww. oh, and they're like, you're on the team. Like we're playing like the NSYNC uh, 
game for the stars or the whatever it's called the the las vegas basketball charity mm-hmm. yeah. tournament like they're like no you're on a team like you get a jersey says gq you're on the blue team you're in the that's amazing like, oh they were like you're coming to vegas with us like you're doing this but you're coming to the club with us you're doing this i'm like they, they're not gonna let me in look at me and they're like i like they're like because i'm i was used to like not being let into clubs the way i dressed back then and the way you had to be dressed to get into a club and they were like i'm like are they gonna let me in and joey just looks at me like really dude are they gonna let you in he's like do you know who you're going with and i was like yeah but i mean <laughs> i'm like wait but but can i roll my can i roll my spliffs in there he's like dude you can do whatever you want with. and i was like <clears throat> and then i was i still didn't believe him but then i just did whatever i wanted right. wherever i wanted and he was like and, and i was like this is amazing <laughs> and so sorry yeah, now we do what, 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 what? I said, he should have just said, we're motherfucking in sync. We can I mean, do whatever we want. I think those were his exact words. <laughs> um, Lance was a little more humble about it. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you want to wear something different next time. No, he, he, he didn't say that. He was just like, gee, come on. Like, like, like they, they, um, so for three months, like I was riding, like I was at the top of the world. Cause that's when they had just outsold the Beatles in terms of record sales. Like, like that everywhere we went, there were screaming, young screaming girls everywhere. Like, like, I don't even know how they got the word because we didn't have, we didn't have social media back then. Like, so some people on his team would have to like make some calls to like certain places in those cities. And then they, I don't know how they put the word out. Like, but there, there were, a, but there, there they was were. a network. There was a network. Mm-hmm. There was we a network. Magazines. And we uh, would like have fan clubs and then they would mail us stuff and tell us where things were. Yeah. I mean, the same <laughs> girls would show up. They would be there in yeah. every city, like standing there when we walked out of a restaurant, I'm like how the, that girl was in the other. And Joey's just like, <laughs> pats me on the back he's like yep that's jenny that's michelle <laughs> i was like all right cool this is dope and so we, we were at a party in vegas around the the uh, i don't know if it was like the grammys i think it was the grammys and and the, the, the all kinds of parties and joey's like you got to come to this i'm like i gotta bring five of my homies and he's like no girls and i was like no nah, it's just dudes and he was like man you're killing me and he's like <laughs> this party's so hard to get into. Like if I put five dudes on there who like are no names and, and like, like it's going to, you know, I don't, it's going to be tough for me. I'm like, you going to make this happen? He was like, yeah, I'm going to make it happen. So, <laughs> so we roll up to sunset strip to like, I don't know if it was like the mint or like something. And all these people are like, like climbing over each other to get in. And I just like, I'm like six rows back and I put my hand up and this, this like badass chick at the, at the, who was like at the bouncer's line was like, GQ, GQ. And I was like, yeah, she's like, come on, you got five? And I was like, yeah. And then everyone's like, make way, make way. And like me and like my brother and my homies like all walked through it. Like, Who are those guys? And so then we're inside, we're hanging with, with Janet Jackson and Jay-Z and Christina Aguilera. And, and they're all like, like not all, but like some of them are like, GQ, like, like I'm like, what is going on in my life right now? <laughs> Janet, Janet Jackson was like, I want him to sit next to me. That's what she said. Wow. And, and, and her, and she had her group of homegirls, like four, four deep, five deep. And they were all like, so fine. And she, and, and, and I thought I was going to be hanging with them. And they're like, no, sit there. And, and Janet's like, like right here, baby. And so like, I was sitting there and I'm like, and I'm so dumb. I don't know what to say. I'm just like, how you doing? And they're like, good. And then like, cool. I'm like, like kind of dancing in my seat to the shoot, like to the beat. And then I said like a few pleasantries with Janet and I'm like, 
all right, well, I'm gonna roll a spliff. And so like, I, I roll a spliff, like right in front of her and her people's at this table. And, and so I light it up and, and, it, and immediately Janet's like, oh, like, she's like, she can't be in your cigarette smoke, but I didn't know that. And so her friend's like, you, you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm like, what? I was like, Joey and them <laughs> I can smoke anywhere I want. And they're like, yeah, but she can't handle her voice. She can't handle right. her cigarette smoke. And so I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll bounce <laughs> instead of putting the thing out. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I'll smoke it over there. I was like, peace y'all. Janet's like, all right, bye. And I'm like, that was my experience for the rest of my life with Janet Jackson. Like now I think about it. I'm like, I couldn't have just stubbed that out, sat there with Janet for as long as she right? was like, like, no. I was, and then I'm walking with, with my spliff trying to find Joey and Christina Aguilera's like, Hey GQ. And I'm like, Hey, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, who was that? My little brother's like, that's Christina fucking Aguilera. Dude. I was like, I go back and say hi. He's like, no, I just keep going. <laughs> that, well, you know what? That I think that's great because you were still, you didn't yeah. fall into the traps of like that whole facade of Hollywood and fall, you know, these, they're still regular people and yeah, they need to be humbled every now and again. I, I went, I, it was a Hugh Hefner party and, and all the NSYNC guys were there and Brittany was there and Brittany and Justin were in the middle of a fight. And this is right before they broke up one of the major times they broke up or maybe the major time, I don't remember, but, but Justin, who always was super cool. And when he came to visit on the set, connected with me and we, and he has shown nothing but love for me. And then when I brought my 13 year old niece in Chicago to their show in Soldier Field, he walked down the the apron of the stage saw me in the middle of singing one of their hits and was like, what's up G? And like, like, like in the middle of the concert and every little teenage girl around turned to look at like (laughs) we were talking to. And my little cousin was just beaming like, oh my And, and so, so when I saw him later in LA at this part, I went in the bathroom and he's in there with his uncle and his uncle was uh, really sweet. He was totally wasted. And he was talking to Justin and, and, like, and he left and, and Justin was like, yo, gee, he's like, dude, I saw a cut of the movie last night. He's like, you are the real thing. He's like, you're, you're a major star. He's like, you, every scene, he's like, you just glow. You took it and I see it. And I just want you to know, I totally see you. You're, Aww. I just want to give you props. I was like, I, I get goosebumps when I, like, sometimes I, I, I tear up about that because like, that he's one of one of the glowiest creatures in the world like I love mm-hmm. that dude I'm like 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 I got so much love for him and also I see his light like I've always mm-hmm. seen his light and for him to 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 mirror that back to me and to say anything like that was one of the best you know compliments I could have ever received especially at a young time in my life when when I could be shaped so easily by some stuff like that so yeah because that's he awesome yeah he didn't have to and he did so yeah it's really nice yeah well, I mean, you did deserve it though, you know, yes. <laughs> so that's one point, but thank you so much for just being so open with your stories yeah. and really cool. It feels like we've been friends with you forever. Just talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys got that vibe. I knew when I saw your Instagram, I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely want to talk to you. <laughs> that's okay. awesome. I'm glad yes. we put that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's so cool that what you do. And even just the description, it's like, like, like I said, it's a time capsule and the fact that you both went through that and, and something you said about your bond with each other and like your growth and that it's, that it can be challenging and that it always is, it always should be right. Like the people that we love and that people that we choose to love as family for the rest of our lives, like 
if it doesn't become challenging at points, like the, it probably isn't going deeper. And so I got a lot of respect for that and what you said about each other. And then the fact that you have this endeavor together in this podcast, like what a cool symbol and manifestation of your growth. And the fact that you're sharing it with the world so we can all bear witness to that is, is really beautiful. And it's just like, a, it's a testament to truth. So I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I think one of the hardest things is that we didn't fall into fear because, you know, you start a business with a friend, you do anything, you know, something, a project like this, you could go into fear and worry that your friendship can't withstand the challenges that might be down the road in doing it. And I think we just said, you know what, I think our bond is strong enough to Mm -hmm. whatever comes our way, we'll be able to figure it out. So, yeah, that is awesome. That's awesome. I read something this morning about, about, about fear and danger and worrying. And it was something to the point of like, it's not bravery that, that, you know, overcomes that, that it's love that overcomes that because love doesn't deny that the danger is there. It only allows you to feel differently about it, like to feel comfortable around it, to not be scared by it. If you try and like push things away or repress something that you, you think is there, like it's also going to manifest in worry. Like if you, Mm -hmm. and, and if you look at it and you go, huh, that's something, you know, a lot of people have said it in different ways, but that like, you know, the opposite of fear is not bravery. It's love. Right. Uh, Yeah. A hundred percent. And never thought about it in that way, but it's true. You, because of your love, it gives you the bravery to, to push past it. So yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much. We are so excited that we got this opportunity. We hope you stay in touch. Yes. This is really great sharing your passion with us we we're very thankful for that <laughs> oh that's cool I appreciate it and share your social handles with everyone so that they can follow you and your projects with your project with your brothers oh um, yeah, yeah yeah cool so GQ as opposed to the magazine and job at music party and Q brothers one the letter Q brothers and number one that's it all those three is fine excellent wonderful and thank you for your time for your love and for what you do and, oh absolutely uh, thank you so. I really appreciate it honestly <laughs> yeah I look look forward to hanging with you all in person when we can uh, when absolutely we cross paths now that we yeah can. and as always if you want to ask gq any questions you have any favorite parts of this episode hit us up on our social handles at no more late fees on instagram facebook tiktok twitter and youtube 